Creativity is an extension of the human experience. This wild, boundless seascape has been our anchor for our friendship and our sanity. This podcast is an exploration between close friends of storytelling and artistic expression. In this chapter, Pixie, me, goes solo with my friend Mary, um, Mary Lambden. She was one of my first students at my first teaching job over six years ago. Feels like another lifetime. We are exploring the tapestries of our lives as we revisit the trajectory of our relationship. We're going to talk about the dynamics of the student-teacher relationship in public education in America, and also hear and see the amazing things Mary is doing now. As her art teacher, I always viewed her as a visual artist, but there is so much more to that story as she is just getting started sharing her own voice. And I'm very excited for you to meet her. And now we begin. Hey, Mary. Hello, Pixie. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny because now my students call me Miss Pixie, but I was too insecure to do that when I first started out. Aw, well, I'm so glad you've come and defined yourself. Yeah, Um, I was able to like allow the weirdness into the public education. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, let's just kind of like set the stage. Let's like talk about how we met. So when we met, you were a sophomore in high school, correct? Yes. And I would love for you to kind of share a little snapshot of who you were when I met you. Oh, sophomore year, sophomore year of high school. I think sophomore year was actually pretty transformative for me as far as the high school career goes. Um, That was when I stepped into a very long path of spirituality. And I didn't really know at that time um, how spiritual of a being I was. Um, But that was kind of the tip of the iceberg for me. That was the year that I created that piece, What is the Mind? Um, That's inspired by... Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's the anatomical one um, inspired by Alex Gray. Who's Alex uh, Gray? Tell us who Alex Gray is. Oh, Alex Gray is this absolutely amazing psychedelic visual artist. He's a mm-hmm. painter, mm-hmm. Um, and his work embodies these beautiful fractals and these amazing. I'm I'm looking at my Alex Gray posters right now as I'm speaking. <laughs> um, these beautiful, beautifully done anatomical illustrations with fractals and. I mean, there's just so much to his work. You lose yourself in it when you look at it. Mm -hmm. Um, Two thoughts came to mind. One, um, for the audience, I'm going to be sharing all these images we're going to be referencing because I think it's going to naturally happen that you're going to mention a piece of art you made. Um, The other thing that's interesting to me is that already, like I'm thinking about that student-teacher relationship and Alex Gray um, is the artist who did artwork for Tool which is one of my favorite bands. I grew up as a teenager in high school and college loving them. So it was a wild thing for me when I first started teaching to find my students into the same thing. This like generational, it hasn't changed. Like I have students now who listen to Tool. So Mm -hmm. it's like, to me, that's a pretty beautiful thing. Um, It's interesting how that comes back around too, because I knew of Alex Gray before Tool. Mm, Interesting, okay. Usually it's the other way around. Usually people yeah. know Alex Gray because of Tool. Yep. Um, but it was the opposite for me. So I, I just think that's fascinating. 
What did did you start listening to Tool when you were in high school or no? Yes, actually, my high school boyfriend was into Tool. So I remember him. <laughs> mm-hmm, yes, <laughs> we were in the same class together. <laughs> yeah. And um, we will not be talking about the name of the school or any naming any names. Um, so we'll just be referencing high school um, out of respect to everyone. But anyway, uh, so that's really interesting. So you were kind of exploring like psychedelic spirituality, um, fractals. Can you talk a little more about fractals? Because you say that you talk about them a lot. Like, what do they mean to you? Why? Why are you into them? Hmm. Oh. Wow, that's a great question. I've never thought about this, to be honest with you. Hmm. Um, Perfect time. Yeah. <laughs> like, at a fractal right now I'm realizing that there's just so like I've always been one for symmetry mm-hmm. um I love symmetry I love when things are like a perfect circle or when something's like a perfect square or something like that and with fractals they're so detailed and meticulous and you can follow them in this way that just allows you to get lost in them mm-hmm. and that I mean that to me is just like it's super it it takes you out of reality for a moment. It's like a moment where you can glimpse into this um, egoless flow state, multi-dimensional aspect of something that's mm-hmm. tangible. You mm-hmm. can touch it. I just think that that's so cool. And I think that's why I like them so much. Um, but I didn't start making fractals until recently um yeah because it was portraits for me for it was years years and now I'm realizing that a way for me to just kind of like allow myself allow art back into my life visual arts and just allow myself to flow is when I'm making a fractal and have some like EDM on or some jam bands to flow to like it just nice. yeah cool. I just love it it's a happy place for me I love hearing about that and you know um you know fractals are like a naturally occurring thing in nature which makes them even more powerful in a way yeah right. I think of that um that vegetable that I'm gonna forget the name of it um like a cauliflower it, or something it's like yeah it's like a cauliflower like something like that and it's called um i'm gonna forget the name of it but it's this amazing like fractal pattern Mm -hmm. um i wish i could remember romanesco broccoli i just romanesco romanesco yeah (laughs) there's tons of pictures (laughs) on the internet yeah it's amazing So, so you were kind of like thinking about it maybe abstractly when you were young and you didn't really realize it till you were until recently yes that that kind of thing fascinates me i can relate to that with my own visual elements i use Mm -hmm. so all right so you've kind of you're kind of exploring spirituality um i'm going to kind of push a little further like if you could describe yourself then like what would you say like could you give you like a little description of a portrait of who you were then like in high school and how Mm -hmm. old are you when you're a sophomore i'm so bad at that Oh gosh. I want to say it was 15. Yeah. Okay. 15. 15 or 16. Okay. Um, I think at that point in my life, like I was, I was just, uh, innocent. 
Um, like, I just think, I, I think innocent, naive are the two words that come to mind. Um, and I'm happy for that because those are years that I feel like that innocence and that naivety, like really serves somebody. Um, and it allowed me to just kind of go into like, just, I guess not overthink so much. You know, it allowed me to just kind of like go into these different pathways and see what worked for me and what didn't based on the knowledge that I had at that time in my life. Hmm. Interesting. So kind of that like innocence lets you explore more openly without all of your opinions formed kind of. Yes. Very, I was very curious. So if I had to use three words to describe myself, then it would be innocent naive and curious. I love it. And you're like yeah. bringing that positively because a lot of times innocence and naive, you know, being naive are not described as good things, but you're kind of s- s- like turning it around in its head, which I like. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So, you know, you were in all the art classes. You took all the art classes. You also sang, right? You were in choir. Yes. Um, what did taking art mean to you then? Like, what did you want from an educator at that point, especially an art educator? I wanted the liberation to explore what gave me that feeling of flow state. Okay. Can you speak more on flow state? Yes. Um, Flow state is something that I've really only encountered when I am working on art. Um either like a portrait or a fractal. It's just any time that I'm working on art, I get into this moment of flow state. It doesn't happen to me with anything else. Um, and I actually looked into the neuroscience about uh, of it a little bit. Mm. And apparently flow state and uh, it like takes, it takes you out of the default mode network of the brain and the default mode ne- network are all these thoughts that are like, firing those networks that are constantly firing and you kind of bypass that when you're in flow state and you're able to just be calm Mm. it's just this moment of like rest and digest um in in every way shape and form there's no fight or flight happening um very like calming um so yeah, I think that's that's my understanding of flow state from like a scientific perspective. <laughs> I love hearing it from the scientific perspective and we're going to talk more about cuz you're studying this stuff. So that makes it I'm so excited to dig in deeper on that. Mm-hmm. So like I don't even know if that was a fair question. What did you want from an educator? Did you know? What did you want from your art teacher or from your, you know, creative arts teachers? Like do you know what you want? Do you think you knew what you wanted from them? Yeah, like I would I would say like the main thing was just like I said that liberation to just kind of go where right I wanted to go, you right. know, um with like creation and stuff like that, like finding out what what type of creation is my niche. Gotcha. Um so what did you like about the art department? What what was working? What wasn't if anything? Um mm-hmm in the school you went to yeah so I would say like as far as the art department goes um 
I liked that it was, uh, it was rich with like materials. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like you could kind of play with anything in the art department. Like whether you wanted to do colored pencil or acrylic um, or like pottery, um, mm-hmm. ceramics, photography, all that. So I felt like that it was really like well-developed in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest con was the competition that happened to exist uh, within the art department. Um which never made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Speak more about that. I think I, I find it to be very, it a very interesting, like, cause it was not the way it was when I was in high school and it was my first real job. So it was interesting hearing when I was able to talk about it with you after the fact, it's interesting hearing as someone who went through it as a student, what that was like, what do you, what do you mean about the competition? Yeah. So, um, I noticed for myself, like I, the way that I made art was not for anybody. It was, it was barely even for myself. Like Mm -hmm. the way that I made art was very much for like, it it was, well, it was for myself because it was, you know, a moment to drop in and be present, like fully, fully present with something Sure. like flow state, you know? Um, but I think that the competition from others within the area that I existed in just didn't really ever make sense to me. They were competitive with me at times. Right. Um, and that, that didn't ever make sense to me. I allowed it to happen because I mean, that's their process. Right. But it never really made sense to me why it was the case. Cause I just didn't place that type of value on my work. And I'm not saying like, when I say value, I don't say like, I'm not meaning like I don't place value on my work. It's just that I don't place competitive value on my work. Like constant comparisons to other people on your work. Correct. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it was a, I found it to be a toxic environment and I was faced with the challenge of trying to change it. And the culture there wasn't necessarily wanting that. So it was a very interesting place for me to be in retrospective like in a retrospective sense thinking back on it um but it seems like you kind of didn't let it affect you that much which i think is great seems like you kind of like you're like whatever am i right yes yeah (laughs) that's cool that you could do that do you feel Mm -hmm. like it affected anyone else negatively or do you think people just kind of shrugged it off i think a lot of people were affected by it Hmm. um i do and i saw i saw that and i just I just couldn't understand that because it was just like, I don't know the way that I've always viewed making art has, has been the same, you know, like I, that's part of the reason why I don't actively sell my art. Right. Because I just don't, I don't want to attach any kind of like monetary Mm -hmm. value to it. Any kind of like nothing that's going to shift the attention away from flow state Mm -hmm. and into like, livelihood or having to create that urgent having to create oh it's a challenge it's interesting as i'm starting to explore that that's the thing that i, mm-hmm. I feel it like as a pressure mm-hmm. and i have to not let it because 
it'd be great to make something from it, but I'm not, I'm not going to rely on it because of what you just said. Mm -hmm. For me, it's also flow state. Um, You have a quote. I'm going to quote you. Okay. Um, You said something amazing and I wrote it down and you said, when we were chatting in preparation, when art has to pass through consciousness that intensely, it won't be genuine. And you said flow state bypasses fight or flight. And that was kind of your comment on competition that when you have to work that hard, you're not really in that genuine place of creativity. Am I right about what you meant by that? Absolutely. 100%. It's a very wise thing to say. Um, So with all that in mind, uh, you're kind of finding yourself and I just want to hear your perspective in general. Um, Did you find high school useful? And was it helpful for you in general, art department and other things? And what wasn't useful? Those are kind of three questions. Hmm. Um, so no, not in a lot of ways, to be totally <laughs> frank. Uh, <laughs> Tell me like, more about that, please. Well, I will. So, um, <laughs> so I went undiagnosed with ADHD up until my senior year of high school. Wow, I did not know that, actually. Mm-hmm. And I realized... Uh, how much like it impacted me and how much like, uh, living with ADHD really like guides me. Mm-hmm. Um, and in high school, like they teach us all of these things that just, I, I didn't care about, frankly, like there were, I mean, not, not everything, like there were some things that I cared about, you know, but generally speaking, like there were a lot of things that just went in one ear and out the other. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the biggest deficits that I faced, like being an adult um, and not having learned this in school is practical knowledge. <laughs> you know, like the the basic things like how to file your taxes <laughs> or how to be on be an entrepreneur, or try to like, you know, be mm-hmm. a business owner, things like that that are practical things. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't learn any of that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is a huge deficit. Um, and so there's the ADHD portion, which basically, if I'm not interested, I, I won't, I won't retain right. anything. Right. Um, and then there's the lack of hands on learning, which is that practical knowledge that I think is just so important for any young person to have. Right. So. When you say hands-on, can you give us some examples of what you would have liked to have seen? Yeah. I would have liked to like, um, go through like, uh, a simulation of like how to file, like I'll just use filing taxes. For example, I would have liked to go through a sim simulation of how to like, file your taxes yes. or yeah. even like can how relate. to write yeah like how to write a check yeah or how to balance your checkbook yes like yeah. all of these things and i just i think that having that hands on learning and having that knowledge would have been just like it would have put it would have set a lot of individuals off on a good foot yeah that's some great observations you are not the first student to have said that to me yeah um so like with that in mind, you know, sophomore, 30 or senior year, um, 
how do you feel like you changed over the course of your time in school, in the American school system? Wow. I feel like I've lived many lives since that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting. Like I, I feel like in high school, I was a totally, um, I wouldn't say that I was totally different because there was, there are aspects of me that have really, I've carried through the years, but my evolution of my spirituality, which I think is, is a very large portion of my mind, body, and spirit mm-hmm. has evolved so tremendously. It's not even like close to where I was, mm-hmm. um, and my emotional state as well. Mm-hmm. So many, many lives I've lived since high school. I can relate. And just for context, can you remind me of how old you are now? I'm 23. Okay. 16 all the way to 23. Wild. Yeah. A lot of stuff happens <laughs> in between those two times. That it does. <laughs> um, I did ask you a question and I wa- like earlier and I wanted to kind of talk about it again. Um, what is a big thing that you feel like other than those practical tools that you wish you could see um, in schools. I asked you what you really would have needed from teachers. And I think you told me you, you wished there was more attention or, um, compassion or support in general. Is that something yeah. that you, can you talk more about that? Yes. Yeah. I, I think, um, the first word that came to mind when you asked that was support. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of, uh, well, you know, like kids are in very like, uh, transformational times, like especially in middle school and high school. And they spend so much time at school. And I think that it's so, so vastly important that teachers are able to give students, mm-hmm. um, the attention that they really need from their, you know, like home life in order to help them to feel secure within themselves to, and I realize that this is, this is very ideal thinking. Um, especially, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I, I just want to take a moment to highlight how um, the education system has like really struggled through the pandemic and stuff like that. And I think that the educational system, at least from my understanding is really trying anything to just even get people to teach nowadays. Yeah. And so, in an ideal world, going that extra mile of having compassionate, kind-hearted teachers that are super patient and understanding with students and maybe can be their, um, that, that like crutch of kindness that they need when they can't get it at home, that support that they need when they can't get it at home because they spend so much time at school. Mm-hmm. and. I think it's upsetting um, when kids are not getting the nurturing that they need at home and then they go to school and they're just as neglected. Yeah. And what, if I may, like, I, I agree. And I think your comment on getting teachers to teach, it's, it's a product of the larger problem, which is that the system in general isn't set up for anyone to be mentally supported in the way they might need. Um, mm-hmm. Because wouldn't you say that schools are a little bit set up for a traditional nine to five job type instead of learning about how our brains work and all of the things you've been speaking of? It's more yeah. like, go, 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 get it done, get these grades and get out and do the thing. 
when we're missing this huge piece of yeah. finding your hidden piece. Um, yes. Of, uh, <laughs> of, you know, what we need to be healthy, well-rounded human beings instead of just producing. Because it's interesting what you spoke about with the competition. It was about producing. And you were about the process, which is probably why you and I jived as much as we did, because that was really what I wanted, um, ultimately. But I also was coming in with baggage from my own experiences in school and art school, um, where there's a lot of competition and the competition shuts you down. Some people, it shut me down for a while. So I had to really trust in my own belief system in the school system and do it even though I didn't always get the support I needed within the system. So it's interesting for me hearing from a student I taught, hearing your perspective and how I felt. Um, it sounds like we both imagine a different kind of school environment. Yeah. Yeah. How, how do you, would you want that school environment to look? Just I know that's like a huge question, but like if you could envision a school from your, you know, you're studying healing and you're studying all these things. If you could redesign a school, how would you redesign it? Oh, so I think one of the main things that is, is way too normalized in, um, in just like work culture mm -hmm. generally, but specifically concentrated within the educational system is burnout. Yep. Um, I think that so many teachers experience these high levels of burnout yep. and it makes the job of teaching like unappealing. Yeah. Um, because it's just like, okay, I'm expected to, like you said, work this nine to five job, have people have kids children producing constantly and it, it's like a burnout for the teacher and burnout for the student I mean I think about it I think about having a class of 30 students and having to grade assignments for 30 students I mean that is intense that's yeah. a lot like hours upon hours worth of work yeah and I think that wellness needs to be much more prominent within the system. Um, yes, agreed. And, yeah, in an ideal world. And I think that there should be much more empathy towards teachers that are burnt out. Mm -hmm. And maybe I've always wished there was a whole class required about like mindfulness and pres being present and dealing with fight or flight. Because I think a lot of kids are in fight or flight a lot. And as a teacher, when you're looking at it from trying to, you know, my job involves me trying to convey information to somebody, make helping, inspiring them to care about it, which is really yeah. hard. Um, we should talk about our sketchbook battles that we had, but like, you know, <laughs> inspiring them to care about something that you deem important. Mm -hmm. um, and like, but, but like, also dealing with, there's a million other things going on in their lives. And it was like, that was a learning curve for me, which was, why don't you care about this? And I, and not you specifically, but just in general. And then um, at every year you teach, you learn something new and you realize, well, uh, maybe they would, but right now they don't have enough food or maybe they would, but like mm -hmm. something really serious is going on at home, you know? And like, we don't talk about it enough. I think it's happening more, but you can't really learn until you're solid in yourself or a little more solid in yourself. Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting to hear that you see that too. Um, so kind of 
going forward, um, as you kind of moved through, you know, I made a note. I said, from my perspective as your teacher, I saw you becoming more sure-footed. Your artwork was always dealing with like self-awareness and psychology. It was always like that. And then um, how was your artwork changing? Like as you moved through high school, did it change a lot? Do you feel like it kind of changed or it kind of stayed the same? I think that it it stayed pretty similar. Um, I think that there was a common thread all throughout my bigger portraits and stuff like that, which um, was vibrancy. Absolutely. And vibrancy in like a visual sense, but also vibrancy in like a just like spiritual sense, if I had to say. And I know that probably makes no sense, but um, like, I just, I feel like the portraits that I made um, all just had that like common thread. And I feel like that was definitely a trend throughout my high school career um, was the portrait, the vibrant portraits. Yeah. I almost want to say it almost was like, what's going on under the surface of a person. Yeah. Does that make sense? Does that yeah. resonate with you? Okay. It does. Um, and so like in the art room when we were, I think all teacher student relationships are collaborations, to be honest with you. Um, where did we clash and where did we align? I'm so curious what you think. <laughs> so um, the sketchbook was an uphill <laughs> bottle, battle, battle. <laughs> and I have the same sketchbook from high school right here it is literally maybe a quarter of the way filled <laughs> maybe half okay all right we'll go with half but <laughs> that just goes to show how much sketchbooks are not my thing <laughs> I know and it's totally fine it, it's so interesting talking about it now because I had to grade folks I had to grade Mary I had to grade I was in a situation where I was grading Mary and grading is so interesting because especially art because I have to, I now, you know, in my practice now, I always say to my students, I'm not grading you whether I like it or not. I'm grading it on whether you hit these goals, because it's not about whether I like it or not. You know, it's about, are you mastering this? And for me, especially if I was thinking of it in terms of, are you going to art school, which you weren't necessarily doing, but I felt that it was an important practice for like discipline and for ex- explorations, but ultimately just in self-reflection, not every student's going to get that out of it. I totally get it. Mm-hmm. But if you were my student again, I'd still make you do it because I still <laughs> stand by it. I still think that like, it's important, but I totally, I totally get it. Was there anything else that you were like, nope, Miss Gotchuk, I'm not doing that. No, you won't so, hurt my feelings. Trust me. <laughs> there was one, there was another thing, oh. but this was, this was a good, I think that this was like a good thing. Um, so I always insisted, I, I blended my colored pencils, uh, with pen and ink. So mixed media at times. I remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I would use microns and sometimes I would just straight up use Sharpie. And I remember doing the portrait out in the hallway um, the acrylic portrait, this half skull, half. I remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to use Sharpie for the eyelashes and you did not want me to do that. Oh, <laughs> you <laughs> thought that it was not going to go well. It was going to turn <laughs> out some weird way. It was going to fade over time. And I was just like, you know I'm what? I don't care. <laughs> and I did it anyway. And did you like how it turned out? And you, you stand by your choice. Yes. <laughs> All right, girl. 
So like the thing that ends up happening here, this is such a fascinating, I think that's partly why I wanted to talk about this because it's such a fascinating dynamic. Like I am going to tell my students what I think. And then I tell them now, now I tell them. And, And part of why I love talking with you now is like, you were one of my first students. So you taught me a lot, right? Because, you know, you did student teaching with me. Like if you ended up pursuing that, you could see that you're going to learn a lot. And so like, I'm coming with my own experience and I've started being explicit, meaning I'm very clear. I'll say, I'm telling you my opinion based on my experience, but ultimately you're going to choose what you want and you're going to like find your own style. And if it works, it works. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I have to like balance out Some of the things I feel end up working out well versus each individual student is a person and they're going to figure, because I did the same. Like I did stuff that people told me not to do Mm -hmm. and I love my work now. So it's like, I think for a long time, teachers were like supposed to be, they knew everything. Yeah. Now I call teachers facilitators because we are, we're just creating an environment. Mm -hmm. Um, I am not the be all end all. And in fact, um, I like to share that Mary was making portraits with colored pencils and I got really inspired and I taught myself colored pencils and I started making portraits too, but it was hilarious because I would start making art in the room and Mary loves vibrancy and making the pencils really bright and like vibrant. And I like things softer. And she'd be like, you would tell me, blend them, make them darker. And I'd be like, nope. (laughs) <laughs> and it was the same and it was the same thing and I wouldn't do it and I never would but like that's a cool relationship that a teacher mm-hmm. and student can have. I love that. I love that we had that relationship and that's how that's what's informed my practice now is like I bring my work in whenever I can when students are on their in their own flow state mm-hmm. and I can flow and they tell me what they think and we talk about it. It's mm-hmm. awesome. You know, it's, and uh, it's great. It's yeah. a beautiful moment in my eyes for growth, because it's a, it's a moment of, um, it's a moment of getting present with a different viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that is a beautiful thing when you can navigate that through response rather than reaction. Yes. And I feel like we always had a really great relationship with that. It was like, okay, here's my opinion, mm-hmm. but we both have this mutual understanding that we're going to do our own thing, you yeah. know, like, opinion accounted for. Thank you. This is my process. You know, we'll see how it goes, you know? And we bypassed ego a lot. I think both of us did. I think so too. And I think that's a beautiful opportunity for, um, for growth, like I said, and just like expanding, like it's, it's open-minded, you know, it's open-mindedness, um, which is a, a, an extremely high value of mine. Like I look for open-mindedness in, in my close people. So, um, I, I just think that that is really beautiful. Yeah. And I had to rewrite my own d- definition of what I was doing in, at all. Like I had to rewrite what it meant to be a teacher because you get this pressure. Like, like I said, you're supposed to know everything. And the more I taught, the more I realized, no, you're going to become a better teacher by realizing how little you do know. And you're also going to become a better teacher because your students are going to tell you all kinds of stuff you don't know. And they're going to inspire you. And I think my main role is to provide structure and some discipline but within that, and then like butt heads when they don't want to do the assignment. But other than that, like you'll, you'll fight within that assignment and you st- still turned in work and you still got straight A's in my classes. Like you made it work. So like it kind of is this, it's always going to be a push and pull with teenagers and adults, but ultimately you want that because that's how you figure out who the heck you are. 
Yeah. Um, so now I think I flow state with the push and pull. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd love to have you in my room now. It's, it'd, it'd be, be a fun. trip. It'd yeah. be a trip. So <laughs> that was a really cool place to go. So we're, we're flowing to the end of this, you know, the end of your career high school now. So like you graduate high school and who are you then? Like you're graduating. How are you feeling? What do you want to do oh. next? Who's Mary at that point? My gosh. Yeah, this was, it was the summer of 2017 and wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the year that I had the most anxiety of my entire life. Interesting. Um, yeah, I had developed anxiety. I had developed OCD. I had a really debilitating phobia of vomit called emetophobia. Um, and it caused me to develop wow. OCD and germophobia. And wow. mm-hmm, it was really, really intense. Um, and it's actually played a huge role in why I stopped going to my first college. Um, which wow. Yep. My first college, when I, when I went there, I went for a a term and, um, I was actually studying studio art. Um, and it was, uh, it was a program where I kind of molded my own degree, um, which I found at that point in my life was highly ineffective because I was so confused about what I wanted to do. I knew that I liked chemistry. I knew that I liked drugs, you know, like pharmaceuticals and uh, in herbs and plant medicine, like it was just, it, it was super interesting to me. I wouldn't say that I, I liked pharmaceuticals, but they were fascinating to me. Yeah, I um, and I knew that I liked, um, jazz, like music. And, um, I knew that I liked art. So I had all these things swirling around in my mind because the ADHD brain finds it hard to streamline, especially for me, because I have so many interests. Um, and at that point in my life, my brain was just about everywhere. Um, and so I, I struggled a lot after high school. Um, and yeah, I just, I think back on that point in my life and I, I think about that as kind of a rock bottom for myself. And Mm. I also super, super cherish that because it allows me to put where I am now really in perspective. And I just think that that is amazing and beautiful. Yeah, you need to kind of go in the darkness to figure out who you are. Mm-hmm. And I remember you went to that school and you came back and we did a student teaching uh, study. With the, you came and it was an independent study or something through the school. Fieldwork term. Test, and you were just testing it out, right? To mm-hmm. see. Can you tell a little bit about that experience? Because it was amazing for me. Yes, I, I loved that experience. Me too. Um, I think about that and... I'll also send the uh, uh, portrait that I made during that time. Oh, please um, do. Yeah, I'll share it. Mm-hmm. That that was one of my favorites. Um, and I think about that really fondly. Um, mm-hmm. You did an amazing job at structuring that for me. And Thank that you. was exactly, exactly what I needed. I Good. needed that structure. I needed that accountability, that responsibility to to get things done and also to explore different realms. Um, nice. Cause I was doing lessons for ceramics. I was doing lessons for graphic design, which I was like totally out of my league. <laughs> yeah. It was but, for me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I figured it out. You end up teaching things you don't think you're going to teach. It's, they don't really tell you that. So you get to grad school. Yeah. 
and that was that was an interesting experience um but I I loved it you know just the whole nine and then there was like my my niche which was the colored pencils and um my like I guess legendary lesson so to speak was it is legendary for me because I still (laughs) teach it I love about it and I tell that you were the one who had the idea Oh, I'm going to share about that because I think it's amazing. I think it's just a great collaboration. So talking about your students teaching you, um, you know, the older you get, I think it's just you get set in your ways. I think it's just a natural thing. I think everyone kind of gets a little set in their ways. And I always tell myself when you start repeating yourself and not like changing, you got to do something that's not a good place to be in general, in life. But like when you're teaching, for some reason, I've always been like this personally as an artist. I like making things big. And so I was always like having students do things big. And I don't know why. Like, it's not bad necessarily, but it was just... And you were like, we we wanted to... I don't know. It was your idea, I think. You wanted to teach the color pencil. And you had this great idea to make small little five by seven eyes. Knowing that high school kids like to learn how to draw eyes. Like developmentally, a lot of high school kids are like, that's really hard. I can't do it. And then when they do, it's like a huge achievement. You know, mm-hmm. so you came up with this assignment, teaching gritting, teaching how to draw an eye, breaking it down, the anatomy and how to use colored pencils. But it was manageable. It was a small thing you could do in a few days. Mm-hmm. And every student, most of them, actually, I remember hanging them up, nailed it because it mm-hmm. wasn't a big and it was just a light bulb went off. And I was like, this is I should have been doing this all along. This is awesome. And for transparency, because I think this is important. And if I was going to say, I know anything and want to share anything, it's like, I don't really think teaching is a job of ownership. Like you always are feeding off of each other's lessons. You're always like, you're always riffing off of each other. It's a Mm -hmm. huge collaboration. And there's this little, some teachers, not, not many actually, but some teachers would have been, were, would be weirded out by maybe, maybe not, but like a student teach, you know, teacher, like coming in and, um, and I had moments of feeling, is this okay? Like, is this, and I kept thinking, yeah, this is like what it's all about. This is the whole reason you're doing this. This is the magic. Like who cares about you? The ego thing. It's, Mm -hmm. there's this ego thing. And I, and I think I came to this realization that I don't want anything to be about ego ever because that Mm -hmm. just, that shuts flow state down. Um, and we, I remember teaching together and I was communicating in my way and you're communicating and communicating in yours. And it was this amazing talk about flow state, create creatively teaching as a flow state situation. Mm -hmm. It was an amazing class doing it together. And, um, yeah, I just, that's why I think of it fondly. I think it opened up my mind permanently and I think my teaching changed. And the other part is I want to share that you should know is that, my student teaching experience was not great, mm. uh, mostly because I had a teacher who was teaching me who I thought was kind of unprofessional. Um, I thought was kind of all about wanting to be popular, kind of, and friends mm. with the students in a way I didn't like, and also um, mainly not supportive of my own trauma. So. Um, I was coming into teaching with my own set of fight or flight issues with public speaking, with being an introvert. I think I might've talked to you about this Mm -hmm. and I wasn't good at speaking in front of people at first. And she kind of almost made me leave teaching because I felt like she was like telling me I wasn't good at it. Mm 
And maybe uh-huh. in some ways she was right, but like there are ways of telling someone that and helping them find their own voice in their own way. So I still consider myself an introvert. I still am one. And I, I think I still teach successfully, but I don't become someone I'm not. And I think I probably told you something like you can be yourself and still teach fine. In fact, mm-hmm. you'll teach better if you're yourself. You don't have mm-hmm. to be an extroverted, loud person to facilitate. And so there is a stereotype. And I think that's why I'm getting on a little soapbox right now that you can't be a teacher if you're more quiet or reserved or if you're not great at public speaking and you'll find your own way of speaking in public. You did. And that was the other thing. I watched you do it. Not that you're, I don't know if you'd consider yourself an introvert. I don't know if you do. I'm an ambivert. Okay. Like you're pretty comfortable in front of people, but I remember watching like at first you did this thing where you were showing how to draw and you were just drawing and you weren't, um, you know, you weren't like teaching (laughs) teaching. And that's just something you wouldn't realize. And I just remember being like, I want to make sure she feels supported and not embarrassed and like understands. And I I hope that I did, that I didn't like make you feel uncomfortable, that I just showed you. I hope that I did that, that you You felt like not ashamed of who you were and how you could make it work for you instead of having to transform yourself into someone you weren't. No, you absolutely, absolutely did make me feel supported and seen and heard. Um, Because I I do, I do agree with what you're saying to a T. Like, I think that because I, I am an ambivert, but I lean more towards the introverted side, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, and um, I've been realizing with a lot of the work that I've been doing more recently, just how important authenticity is. And for me, like I've just, I've been really, really stepping into my authenticity and I've been really just doing what feels good. Like, like I've been in circumstances that if they don't feel good, I walk away from, um, and stepping outside of my comfort zone in like an authentic way, because I feel like in the past, what I used to do was, um, not, I feel like I wouldn't, what I did in the past was when I stepped out of my comfort zone, I would overcompensate and I would overfunction. Hmm. And it caused me to feel super drained and depleted. So like in public speaking situations, I would go out of my way to make it so flamboyant and just so fascinating and so passionate. And then I was realizing like, whoa, I am so drained hmm. after after I would do something like that. And so it's been an uphill battle. But as I've been stepping more into my authentic self, I've been realizing that the way that I show up is perfectly fine as what feels good to me. I just got chills. That's synergized perfectly. Mm. I love it. Like, (laughs) um, thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. That's so inspiring to me. And I think that's a really important, just part of becoming a better human Mm -hmm. instead of making people be something they're not allowing them to thrive in their own authentic self. Yeah, And I think you reflected back to me myself when I was younger and I was able to, that's why I love teaching. I think I was able to like write something that I felt like was so, done so wrong for me. And it felt good to be able to like turn that around um, from the other perspective. Mm-hmm. And I figured it out on my own, even though someone almost told me, like someone told me not to do it. That other teacher told me not yeah. to do it. And I didn't listen. Um, Followed your intuition. I did. Um, and Anyway, uh, that's amazing. So 
So you, so before we kind of move on from this into kind of present day, um, what compelled you to try out teaching? Like, why did you kind of figure, why did you want to try that? Just out of curiosity. Hmm. Um, I love teaching seriously. Like Hmm. I, I do, I still love it. Um, my, one of my goals in life is to become a higher education teacher professor oh. mm-hmm, at a college oh. level. Miss um, yes. <laughs> that is one of my professor goals. <laughs> um, and I just, I feel like I'm, I'm a truth seeker. I'm a seeker of knowledge and I love to look within and develop my interpersonal intelligence. So then I'm able to empathize with people and um, help them to revive their inner knowing. Cool. Um, And I feel like, I actually feel like, um, because the path that I'm walking right now is uh, a coach, um, coaching. I'm doing like uh, wellness coaching. Cool. And specifically my my niche is codependency recovery coaching. Interesting. Um, and, and you're in grad school right now. Am I correct about that? So I'm in a post-grad program. Okay. Um, my, I finished up my master's in applied clinical nutrition okay. um, in April of 2022. And now I'm in Congrats. a, thank you. Um, I'm in a, a diploma program through the Southwest Institute of Healing Arts. Um, and it's to become an integrative healing arts practitioner. So as of tomorrow, I will be a 120 hour health and wellness coach. Wow. Wow. Okay. So you are just moving along. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I want to like kind of dig into this a little bit. So you finished your, you know, your student teaching with me and you left that school eventually, right? You left that college. I did. And so can you talk a little bit about that? Because I'm really excited to hear about what's going on now. So like, what kind of made you leave? And then where'd you go next? Yes. So what caused me to leave was my um, debilitating anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in June of 2018, I had a profound life-changing experience um, with plant medicine. Okay, gotcha. And um, it, it was profoundly influential on my path. I, I connected to my soul that day. I know it sounds kind of cliche. No, I connected to my soul. Um, and I started to realize that I'm supposed to walk this path that's already laid out for me. I just have to step into it. Mm-hmm. Um, which was so affirming. Um, and once I started putting in motion being a healer, um, mm-hmm. which was first, uh, getting my bachelor's in psychology. Gotcha. Um, so I ended up going to a small private liberal arts college, about 30 minutes away from my parents' home, nice. um, in Aurora, New York, 30 minutes from Ithaca, um, Oops. called Wells college. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> um, I got my bachelor's degree there in two years, two and a half years, I think it was. Uh, when it came down to it. And, um, I think stepping into that, stepping into realizing that psychology, I wanted to delve into deeper and specifically the mind, body and spiritual health, like holistic health and stuff like that. That was like the moment where I was like, this is, this is it. Like I could not get enough of it. It was just like, 
I, I just wanted to discuss theories and models and concepts just all day, every day. Wow. Wow. And so like during that time, I'm just really curious. All I kept thinking when you were talking was, did you make any art during that time? During this time? Or were you just so wrapped up in the like, the concepts that you weren't really thinking about it? You know, I, I didn't make any studio art gotcha. during this time. Um, yeah. And when I because, say to, to clarify, when I say art, I mean like the visual arts, but I'm a full supporter of everything you were doing being art kind of, you know what I mean? Like I'm your life is art, but I meant like drawing or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as far as uh, visual arts go, no, I wasn't gotcha. working on any visual arts at this time. It's just interesting because I was thinking as you were speaking about all the things you were exploring, all I kept seeing was one of the first pieces you ever did with the the lotus and the like blood vessels and everything and the person's, I'm going to share the image. Um, it's just, I love it. I love that you were, it was like you were psychic for yourself. You were like telling the future by making your art and you went into something Yeah, similar. and a funny full circle moment with that. I entitled that piece, what is the mind? And I, it's funny how that comes full circle because Mm -hmm. my biggest curiosity in life is what is the mind? And it's like the subconscious mind, the conscious mind, the somatic mind, you know, like, you know, all of that stuff. I, that's my path is to figure out, I mean, and it's, it's impossible to figure it out, but in my life, I would love to, yes, gain more understanding of what the mind is. And I love, it's like, so whenever, so as you know, it's like mythology is a big thing. And to me, maybe that's your mythology because you started out in that tender, curious time asking yourself the question you asked yourself a question and now you are answering it yes i love it yeah um, that's such a cool full circle moment <laughs> it is and so you graduate from there and then what do you do so pretty much instantly upon graduation from wells um i decided to pursue a master's degree in applied clinical nutrition cool um that was very i mean it was like the next semester um and completed that in two years. Um, and that I was super, you know, I'm super interested in how the, uh, the mind and the body influence one another. Mm-hmm. Um, just speaking, I mean, mind, body and spirit is, is its other entity, but just the mind and body specifically, how the foods that we eat influence our mental health and how our mental health influences our physical health. Right. Um, and getting this degree and um, a very holistic version of nutrition, uh, allowed me to take a step into the, like the science behind the body biochemistry, you know, like A and P anatomy and physiology, and, um, also like the health psychology behind it. It was like super fascinating to me, very sciencey. Um, and I was realizing, you know, like once I, cause I was, I, you know, I've struggled with ADHD for my entire, entire life. But once I found that passion, it was like, I could focus on something for hours that was specific to that. 
Yeah. Well, I always kind of say things like that, that can make life challenging when used or realized in the right way. It can be a superpower. I mean, yeah. it can allow you to hyper-focus, you know, you just have to learn how to control it. I, mm-hmm. Not to be a big nerd, but I am, you know, I've always thought things like that. Like I have OCD. Um, when you understand how to like manage it and that's easier said than done because everyone has different versions and it can be very hard. And I'm not saying it's all fun and games because it's not, it's really difficult. It's really difficult. And I know you know that, but you can sometimes find ways to really, it can be a strength too, mm-hmm. you know? So I think, you know, there are pros and cons, um, but also the world doesn't make it easy when you're different. Yes. As you were saying with public ed, um, you know, we don't really leave room for different ways of learning. Mm-hmm. So, very um, true. yeah. So just quick, I'm curious, uh, what made you kind of be like, not, not public ed for me? Cause it sounds like you still want to teach, but you didn't want public ed, like high school or elementary. What, what kind of pushed you in the direction of, um, um more college? Mm-hmm. So I think the main thing for me is uh, in college, when I think about college classes, I think about discussion. I think about conversation, um, which is like powerful, so Mm -hmm. powerful for Mm -hmm. me. Um, Being able to speak things out, being able to riff off of one another, being able to just kind of be in the present moment and discuss these far-fetched things. Um, And in a high school setting, uh, or, you know, like in that, high school, middle school, um, there's no discussion, at least in my experiences. Like I, it was, there was very little emphasis on discussion. It was just information thrown at kids and then them just expected to retain. That's I'm sorry. That was your experience. Yeah. I, I think it's the, I think it's generally the experience. I think a lot of kids feel that way. I think it's changing. Um, I'm starting to do a lot of, um, self-guide like a flipped classroom which means I'm there to help but they do their own research they'll present to the class or they'll just find out how to do it and I'll help them Mm. I let them research how to learn to use colored pencils and they figure it out and I'm just there to help I like that would you have liked that I would have loved that yep now I'm now I think the pandemic flipped everything on its head and also in the school ad, it kind of works better for my specific students but I give them full-on presentations with links to things but I also tell them, all right, you're going to design a sketchbook page about colored pencils, mm-hmm. but you're going to do the research and collect the information and share with me how to use them. That's beautiful. So it's changed everything. And I think it's the answer. Uh-huh. And that goes back to what I was saying about hands-on learning. Okay. Because when you're able to embody a practice like that, when you're able mm-hmm. to seek that knowledge out for yourself, it mm-hmm. shows it shows the initiative. Mm-hmm. You know, of like, and I, I understand that it's like an assignment, you know, you're getting graded on whether you do well, it or not. Stru- that's the structure. I mean, that gives you a little discipline. Right. And that's perfect, you know? And, um, yeah, I think it's amazing when people can feel intrinsically motivated to do things because otherwise, yes. uh, th- it's not genuine. It's not authentic. Yes. So I'm not standing in front anymore, really. Mm-hmm. And, um, this is, the more I talk about it, the more it blows my mind, actually, because I think the reason why we're afraid to change the way we teach is because it makes us feel like we're no longer useful. I've done some really serious thinking about this, but I think, again, going back to our student teaching experience was when I let go of that myth 
of the teacher knowing everything officially. I was like, nope, um, we are learning from each other and I am not holding on to this. And um, that's when everything just opened up. And so what the schools want, at least my school, and I think a lot of schools are trying it, is teaching us to let go of that. And I think when you're teaching something you care about, you kind of want to hold on to it. But the thing about art is it's so personal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got to let it, you have to let it look the way it looks for them. So I create the skeleton, which you spoke of that I use for your student teaching experience and within the container, mm. you find your language. And my goal is that it's a working studio. So you know how to use, to find information and organize it. You learn about the basics, the terms, basic, you know, things you need to know. But I always tell them you are probably going to discover a new way to use this material and it might not be traditional. You do it. Mm-hmm. I'm working on flannel. So I think that that is just beautiful. Me too. And I don't think I would be there without my students. And I don't think I'd be there without our experience, um, which is I, beautiful. I agree. Um, like, I, I also feel like I wouldn't be the person that I am today without that experience and without our relationship. Um, I think speaking on like, making another connection between that time of teaching and what I'm doing now as a coach is they're directly linked. I think that, well, (laughs) I guess I shouldn't have said that, but um, I think that Mm -hmm. if more teachers had a holistic coaching background, they would Mm -hmm. understand that teaching isn't throwing information at people and just Mm -hmm. expecting them to care. It's mm-hmm. working with them and collaborating with them to revive their inner knowing yeah. and to meet them where they're at without a personal agenda. Yeah. I think, I think that would be so synergistic in an ideal, perfect world. So I have a few questions. Um, and now I'm so curious about coach. So have you thought about, I know you're just getting into this world, but have you thought about what your role and responsibility is as someone doing something like that? Like what are the, some of the things you you're starting to learn or discover? Something that I am a work in progress for me always is listening, mm-hmm. um, listening. And instead of, I I'm a huge critical analyzer. I will critically mm-hmm. analyze anything. Um, and I'm getting present with being present. Um, I'm like realizing how important it is to just drop into the space and leading with empathy and presence rather than logic and, and reasoning and expert opinions. And well, this theory explains this, so you shouldn't be feeling that way, you know, or like, if you just looked at this theory, it would give you all the answers, things like that. My brain has historically worked like that. And I love that part of me, but I also love the part of me that I'm stepping into that can be present with people and allow them to have their own process and me just hold the space for them to have that beautiful process. It is the same as teaching in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, And are you making, you kind of spoke a little about this. Are you kind of making art now? Um, Visual art, like drawing and you said fractals. What, What do you think is happening? Like in your personal art practice, do you feel like what you're doing, what you're aiming towards in your career is kind of flowing into your work? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I feel like over the last six months specifically, um, upon really dwelling in Arizona and existing and presently in the space that I am in, um, I've realized how healing is so broad for me and it's something that I need to stop fighting. Hmm. Um, I would, yeah, I would always like, I would always shut down the part of me that was, that was wanting to get present and wanting to be emotional and, you know, wanting to be very like nurturing, um, for the part of me that was more logical and more explanatory Hmm. and, you know, just, explanatory or explanative I'm not sure you can make it up whatever <laughs> we'll make I know up what you mean. Words. <laughs> <laughs> um, realizing that with my stepping into that I'm learning how and this is the um the transpersonal psychologist in me speaking because transpersonal psychology is the subfield that I absolutely adore mm-hmm. um I'm realizing that healing what healing means to me and healing arts is integration of everything it's integration of visual arts it's integration of soul penetrating music it's integration of intrapersonal intelligence and logic it's integration of peacemaking and being present and somatic processing it's all these different things that i thought were isolated and i'm realizing that i can merge it all together in my own way. Um, and so as I'm stepping into my path as a healer more and more every day, I'm just realizing how much inspiration I'm getting, um, how much more inspiration I'm getting to make art, um, and to listen to music and to go within and critically analyze aspects of myself that I haven't touched in years and to move my body and realize what comes up for me afterwards, emotion wise or think thought wise and things like that. Sounds like Um, really it's about being present. Totally. Totally. Do you think you're, do you think you're going to incorporate art making in your coaching when you get to that point as you head towards there? Yes. Oh yeah. Um, Speak about that. You You work with somebody. Tell me about that. Yes. So I volunteer with hospice um, and I am a patient companion. And what I do is uh, color pages with my patient that I go and see and we'll listen to music and we'll color pages. And sometimes we chat, but a lot of the time we're just flowing. We're just He's doing his thing. I'm doing my thing. And we chat when we want to. But otherwise, we're just in this flow state together. And that's the one of my favorite feelings is when I can be in flow state with another person simultaneously and just have this quality time existing without having to have. And don't get me wrong. I love a good stimulating conversation. But being in flow state and not conversing, but just doing and being is just one of the best feelings. Well, don't you think something kind of secret and sacred happens when you're working with your student? Like when I work with my students, when they're working and I'm working, we might not be talking or I might just be listening. There's something almost hard to verbalize about that, but it's definitely a magical thing. Like, yes, something happens that I don't know if I can describe it because maybe it doesn't want itself to be described. It's, <laughs> it, yeah, it would be very hard to describe because it's so energetic. 
It's yeah. intangible. I mean, it's like you're starting to exist on this like higher vibrational plane with somebody that goes beyond consciousness to a certain degree. Well, I always say I personally, I like to work, even if someone isn't doing art with me, I like to just be doing work with someone in the next room or a pet, just mm-hmm. in the room. I don't care what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I like to be, and Rudo and I have talked about that a lot about we used to love, we still do making art with people around us, even at a party. Um, it's so there's something really interesting about that. Um, I think we're winding down, but I want to kind of like sum things up. So I'm curious, um, the title of this, we're calling it find your hidden peace and I, and, and P E A C E. So can you speak about that's something that came out? I think you've said that to me. Can you explain what that means and why you chose that? Yeah. So, um, find your hidden peace is something that I think is achievable. Um, I, I just think, let's see if I can phrase myself right, because it kind of goes beyond words, but, um, everybody has their inner knowing their connection to their soul, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it helps to be in collaboration with someone to find Mm -hmm. your hidden peace. Mm -hmm. And that could be your hidden peace, like P E A C E, or it could be your hidden peace, like P I E C E, you know, which the hidden, the peace itself is the soul. Um, but it also is synonymous with peace. Yeah. Which is it's peaceful to be connected with yourself. And when you say soul, I'm just curious what you mean by soul. Um, I use spirit and soul interchangeably. So okay. your spirit, your spirit. Like um, kind of use like what spirit? I know I'm, mm. I'm doing teacher questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. I, <laughs> I would talk about it all day. Um, so myself um as far as as soul and spirit go because it's different for everybody but um Mm -hmm. spirit for me is when I feel connected to myself cool um when I feel like I'm working towards my higher purpose like when I'm within dharma um nice and state isn't it yeah yeah when you're really finding something that you that throws you into that flow state. I feel like it coincides with your Dharma. Um, and so for me, spirit equals higher purpose, Dharma, higher power. Um, and to a certain degree, um, spirit guides. Mm. So that's what that means to me. But like I said, it's, it's different for everybody. It's, it's super hard to put into words. These are very, allows me to use my critical analysis skills when you ask me these questions and I live for it. So good. I love it. And also I'm just, I'm sorry, but I'm always going to be this person, but I can't wait to see what art you make. Use that sketchbook. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I'm not going to use, do you use More your sketchbook practice. at all? Do you I use do. your sketchbook? <laughs> mm-hmm. I use it for when I want to do fractals. Okay. And I'm going to share images of these things with everyone. Um, so yeah, um, we are, Ooh, it's one eleven. Ooh, um, one 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 one. So my final kind of question, where this is your space to anything you really haven't said yet. Um, my question is, what do you have to offer the world? What do you want to give to the world? What is your vision? Hmm. To kind of sum it up. Um, my vision is to. 
give knowledge. It's to, to seek the truth and the knowledge and to guide others for that regenerative process. Mm. Because there's, everybody has this knowledge and this truth. And I don't, I, I wouldn't say like, I don't say like coming back home to yourself or something like that. I say building a home within yourself because some people don't have a, they don't know who they're coming back home to, you know, and some people really do have to start from scratch, like through reparenting and things like that. And, um, it's a regenerative process. There are a lot of death and rebirth cycles that happen mm-hmm. during that. It's transformative. Um, and so my vision is to use truth and knowledge to guide others through those regenerative processes. Well, I'm so excited about this. I just think it's wonderful. And like, yeah. I hope that, again, I hope that you keep kind of making visual pieces and that maybe you show them at some point. You you really are just one of them so talented um, and have so many amazing visions and I kind of love that you haven't like gone the traditional route because I kind of feel you on the, it's hard um, to market, but you do have this amazing voice and it really has beautifully coincided with the other things you like to explore. And I love that I've been a part of that process. Oh, um, that makes me happy. <laughs> same. Um, is there anything else you feel like you really want to share before we close? I feel complete. Me too. I'm feeling like the vibe is ended, but I, I feel like in the future we'll, we'll check in again. Um, I love that. I really appreciate you um, joining me for this little exploration. It was really inspiring and kind of this nice like closure to this era of our lives where we were okay. both growing as people. Um, thank you for letting me be your teacher and thank you for teaching me. Thank you for having me. This has been wonderful. And thank you for teaching me. Um, seriously, it's been such a a wonderful process. And I always I always think about you um, super fondly. And yeah, I'm just very thankful to have you in my life. Same. <laughs> so um, there you have it, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I have a closing statement. Um, We really hope you enjoyed this exploration of the true magic that emerges from the high school art room, which is kind of a sacred place, in my opinion. Um, The many paths we take from the door of that educational space, we all kind of experienced in whatever form for those few precious years when we're teenagers, those things we did in the tender time before we entered the world, either more fully sure of ourselves or maybe less sure. What amazes me is the evolution That moment in time defined both Mary and I. Now we are different people, more confident, resilient, but still becoming who we are and better off having met. And I invite you to listen, to reflect, sorry, to reflect too. What was high school like for you? What teachers inspired you and what do you wish was different? Who are you now and how did you get there? And how can you make education better? Um, So please check out our show notes. I'm going to link to images of Mary's artwork over the years. And in my newsletter, I send out once a month, I will share those images there. They are a great visual representation of where she is at now. And you'll just love them anyway.
either way. Like you'll just love them. Um, so in our next episode, we will have a surprise guest who will be joining us for a journey into the world of the dark crystal. Um, we'll see you there. And the music we use for our podcast entitled Whimsical Aliens was written and performed by Alejandro Bernard from Ithaca, New York. And the podcast is edited and produced by Bjorn. Thank you both for your support. See you later.